In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time for Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues today, with Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Ladies, Motherhood Talk Radio is here to give you a powerful platform by giving you interesting, inspiring, and influential information as you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Motherhood Talk Radio has interviews with best-selling authors, gurus of happiness, and women of interest who every single day make our world a better place for our families. Motherhood Talk Radio, powered by Motherhood Incorporated, is on the air now. Moms, this really is your show. Motherhood Talk Radio. And now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Hey, Mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and we have a great show today. We are missing Christy Holly because she is at a funeral. So our thoughts and wishes go out to her um, and her family today as they um, are at a funeral, and we have replaced Christy, at least in spirit, with Rick Swanson. Right. So real quick to clarify, though, I don't have to, like, talk higher. To, like, yeah, you do. You, you have to go, <laughs> what is he usually go? I know. I can't even go that high. I don't know. When she does that, like, dolphins, like, beach themselves or something. I don't know. <laughs> Great. I'll make sure she doesn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Well, we have a really cool show today because we're going to talk about self-esteem and we're going to talk about head lice. Both of which. <laughs> I, I can't say that I have a lot of experience with the latter, the head lice, thank goodness. My head itches already. I'm just going to say that right now to everybody listening. It's so, ever since I read all the stuff on Impressionable, that. are we? Yep, it is very impressionable. Are you one of those people that you start reading about like the symptoms of a disease and you're like, oh my gosh, I think I have it. I have this too. Are you kidding? I have, I have spinal bifida just from sitting in the chair. Great. Uh, but yeah, no, reading the life stuff, I got to tell you, I was kind of really creeped out. And I'm, I'm not kidding you, my head itches. Oh, but let's talk about let's talk about self esteem first because um, they kind of go together in dealing with um, you know when kids go to school and they do have head lice. There's a lot of teasing. There's a lot of um, hard things that kids have to deal with when that happens. And so we brought on an expert today, Susan Hayde, who's going to talk about teaching the concepts of self worth to a child. Um, but before we do that, we're going to talk about a little bit um, about self-worth and uh, empowering your child and dealing with the different dynamics that happen to be uh, firstborn or middle child. Or the baby. Or the baby. So we're, I'm a middle child, and Rick, you are? The eldest. The eldest. The eldest of five, six kids. No, sorry, the eldest of six kids. Yes. Um, I am the maladjusted middle child that falls in between the two perfect older siblings. and But we do both agree, Rick, that we can pick on the babies of the family. Of course, yes. Yes, because they're spoiled and they're... Well, they're the baby. They get, they get away with so much more. Like, I see the stuff my littlest brother gets away with, and I'm like, dude, like at your age, I was like building fences. My dad had me <laughs> plowing the garden, you know, building a chicken coop, and I could carry bags of concrete, and he's like drawing and, you know, dancing Playing around. Playing Wii. <laughs> Playing Wii. <laughs> yeah, I know it's just, like, totally different. I'm like, how come he gets to watch this 
and I wasn't allowed to. You know, it kind of reminds me of those, like, TV shows you watch where Grandpa comes in, and he's like, when I was a kid, I had to walk to school in the snow with no shoes. Until both ways. Right. (laughs) That's my dad. Well, my dad, you were in the Philippines, so where was the snow? (laughs) But you were channeling a good bit of that with the, I had to hell around bags of concrete. Right, but then yet the younger siblings, like my younger brothers and sister, always pulled a... Well, it's not fair. Well, how come Rick gets to do this? Or why did he get to do that? And my mom was like, well, you're not 24, you're not old enough, this and that. You know, it's always not fair. Oh, it's always not fair. I can tell you from being the younger child, it's never fair, you know, you know, because I can go in, like, and I used to do this to my sister, I can go in and, like, do something that I know I'm not supposed to do, but I'm not going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble because you're the older sibling and you should know better. Of course, it's always the older sibling's fault. That's just something you learn right off the bat. It's true. Like, they could hit you in the head, you know, tackle you, knock you over, throw a rock at your head. But you as much as retaliate and shove back up, you're grounded. Yeah, you can't do it because you're older and you know better and you're bigger. Right. Did you like getting that you should know better argument? No. Because it really isn't fair. It sets up a totally unfair dynamic. I see it with Max and Zach. Right, and the funny thing is it's almost setting you up for failure at a certain level because you get into an outside environment and you may do that to some bully, and he may be bigger and older, but he's not going to respond the same way as your, your older brother will. He may just pick you up and toss you. There was that video on YouTube. Oh, that's right. And the mom was trying to say, well, it's not fair. The kid was older and he was bigger, and he threw my son, like body slammed the dude on the ground. But the kid had punched the kid like three times in the face. And he's a little twerp. But I'm still like, no, he wasn't being bullied. You know, you can't just go and punch people in the face. That's true. It does give the little ones. Like, I see my little one. Well, you saw him when he, he punched you in the private part. Of <laughs> I saw it, felt it, appreciated it so much. You know, he's four years old, and he does think he's invincible. Well, I did teach him the hammer fist. I didn't know it was going to be deployed against me. That's true. That was that was so a I critical. Guess it was my fault, of <laughs> that was the fake bad dad critical parenting error well, of I, teaching a four year old the hammer fist. I seem to make a lot of those. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it is interesting because you think about like the you know the topic today is the development of confidence and. Um, like I know as a little sibling, no matter what mess I get myself into, I have my older brother and my older sister who will look out for me, take care of me, protect me, you know, bail me out of jail, all the good things that um, a little sister, <laughs> you know, knows is there. But when you're the firstborn, confidence is a different issue because right. there is nobody to bail you out. You are, like, directly responsible to the parents. Right, and I recall... When I was growing up, I used to always get asked by my dad, especially mostly my dad, sometimes my mom, but, Rick, why did you just do that? Or why did you jump off the house? Or why did you jump your motorcycle over this and that? And it, and most of the time I didn't have a really good answer. One, I was just curious to see if I could. And number two, like, I didn't have anybody else to follow. I'm like, I think of an idea. <laughs> and I would bounce it off my younger brother's. And they're like, yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> they're like, you can do it. <laughs> you can do it. The whole time they're like, he's going to crash and burn. But, you know. Well, that's true because, like, out here in the desert, you guys ride motorcycles. Where I'm from in Buffalo, we used to. to snowmobiles. Well, snowmobiles. but Snowshoes. <laughs> no, we would skate on the pond. Oh, skating. Okay. And I remember being there with my brothers and sisters, and we would be on this, you know, Mrs. McCallick's pond, and my oldest brother decided to do a flip 
in his skates. And, of course, my sister and my brother and I, we were like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Steve, you could do it. Right. You know, and he did. He skated really fast. He did a front flip, but instead of landing on his skates, he landed <laughs> flat on his back on the ice. Only he wasn't like Charlie Brown and his clothes didn't fly off. But but he, we all went over to him. We're like, Steve, Steve, are you okay? You know, are you okay? And um, he just was like, yeah, I'm just going to lay here for a while. Well, at least, at least you guys were, like, worried about his health. When I crashed our motorcycle on our in our driveway, and I got all cut up, banged up, bent the bike's handlebars, broke the taillight, my brothers ran out like, oh, you broke the bike. <laughs> That's what they were upset about. Then we got everyone banned from riding motorcycles for a while. So you got everyone banned from riding motorcycles. Yes. Yeah. Nice. It was very popular for a while. Nice. So how many boys are there in your family? Four boys and one sister. Yeah, so your mom probably needed to have that ban put in place. Yeah, I mean, she's always afraid if I do it, then there's four other people just, you know, trailing along. Jump, jump, jump. But at a certain point, especially my brother Scott, um, my mom was always like, you weren't as confident or cocky until he was born. Really? And then he'd always be like, hey, bro, watch this. <laughs> and she was, most of the time, he'd just be standing there just like big eyes like, oh, no. And then he'd watch me get disciplined. I was always getting disciplined for squirt guns, <laughs> throwing rocks at things you shouldn't throw rocks at. And he just, like, I got spanked all the time. I don't think he hardly ever did. Well, yeah, the firstborn gets the tar beat out of them because they're like the experimental freak in the family. The parents don't really know what they're doing. They don't really know what the kids are doing. Um, but would you say that, like, it's interesting you talk about the confidence thing. You always had an audience. You had brothers always, and sisters yeah. watching you. So, And you were always innately a little bit better growing up because you were bigger. You were yeah. older, like yeah. even just from a developmental standpoint. Yeah, no, for the most part, yeah, that's totally true. And, you know, a lot of my other friends or some of my friends who have the only child, it, it's a lot more difficult for them because they, they have to go find other people to be friends with. I always had, like you said, an audience and a friend base. And they're in your family, so it's kind of like by default. <laughs> by default. You don't have to earn it, really, but, you know, but it's true. No. Would you say that of the of the siblings, I mean, I know two of your siblings are still quite young, but would you say you have the most confidence of, of all your siblings? Or do you think that's a function of being firstborn? Uh, you know what? I say yes and no to a point. A lot of it, people perceive it as, oh, you're very, very confident and arrogant or whatever it may be. But a lot of it is like it's somewhat of a projection, too, because you don't have the luxury of like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. Because everyone will look to say, okay, now what are we going to do? And good, bad, or ugly, you have to make a decision. Well, that's true. I did see that at the movies the other night, like a couple weeks ago, when we went to the movies and your family was there. Everybody was going, what movie should we see? Should we see this? Should we see that? Should we see this? And there is Mr. Rick, like the lone voice of reason. And he's like, you declared we were going to see the Jennifer Aniston movie. What was it? Uh, oh, just go for just it? Just go for it. Oh, good. Yeah. It was good. And then everybody, like, complied, myself included. We're like, oh, Mr. Rick says we must all fall in well, line. Well, I was waiting for democracy to kick in, but after a certain point, the benevolent despotism is by far my preferred <laughs> method. <laughs> I was like, well, screw it. I'm just going to go see this movie. That's what we had said. We're going to do it. Right, and the rest of us lemmings just followed behind you. Yeah, if you don't want to follow, it's fine. I'll be quite happy with my giant Coke and bag of popcorn by myself. <laughs> and your Mike and Ike's. 
Well, but I do think, you know, it's interesting, you know, we're going to have Susan Haid on in the next segment, and she is the author and the creator behind an exceptional DVD series called Lily's Truth. You can check uh, that out at lilystruth.com. She's going to talk about teaching the concepts of self-worth to children, along with teaching compassion and empowering your child. And um, I think, Rick, especially, you know, we have to take into account the dynamic of where the kid falls in the family lineup in the building of confidence, but also, you know, their own nature and their own, um, you know, the way God made them. But uh, we are here on Motherhood Talk Radio. My name is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Rick Swanson today. Christy Holly is at a funeral, so we'd like to send some healing energy and happy thoughts out to her family during this difficult time. And when we come back from the break, we will welcome Susan Hayde. You can check us out at iTunes, toginet.com, and Motherhood Talk Radio. Mom, here's your show, Motherhood Talk Radio, giving you interesting, inspiring, and influential information as you navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. This is Motherhood Talk Radio, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 Central on toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from their competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDuswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Duswalt. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Druggynet.com. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues. For more information, check out the website, MotherhoodTalkRadio.com. Now, let's get back to the show with your hosts, Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Hey, mamas. 
this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Rick Swanson today. And we are welcoming Susan Hayde from Lily's Truth. Christy Holly's at a funeral, so we will um, we will proceed without her. Rick, what do you think? Sounds. Can I say good? And that doesn't sound right. No, no, no. It's hard to say when you have a funeral. Like when somebody's yeah. there, like it's hard enough to go. What do you say? Yeah, I know. I'm always like, hmm. I don't know. Mm, yeah, you know. It's not fun. It's, yeah, it's not. yeah, there is no fun in funerals. <laughs> There's no fun. Even if the reception thing afterward has great food, it's still not that fun. Yeah, it's still not that fun. I don't know. Um, well, we are going to welcome Susan Hayde today. Uh, Susan, welcome to the show. Do we have Susan Hayes? I almost, you almost lost me, but here I am, Susan oh. Hayde, at your service. Oh, hello, thank hello. goodness. I don't oh, know. Like she's really quiet. Wow. <laughs> well, there, like I, I have, there was suddenly a, um, your sound went out, and all I heard was static, and I thought, I lost you, but hopefully we're okay. Oh, you've been trying to do that for a long time, but thankfully today it didn't work. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got that. Uh, so, yes, for those of you listening and keeping copious notes at home, Susan is a repeat guest on our show. She also happens to be my older sibling. Um, so when we talk about the older siblings, like I tease Rick all the time about being Mr. Perfect older sibling, um, I can say without a shadow a total of a doubt. Total misconception, by the way. I'm no, telling you this. It's it's not. It's not. I have an older sister who is outstanding in every way, shape, and form. Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah, Mary Poppins. Practically perfect. Practically perfect. Oh, yeah. and, uh, um, but Thank I am really you. proud and to have you on the show today, and you always... Well, thanks for having me. Always give us great advice. I may well, not thank take you. it. <laughs> and you don't need to take it. And no. you are also, you know, absolutely fabulous at what you do and all that you give. So I'm honored to be here and I'm honored to be on your show. And um, I really, really appreciate the opportunity. So thank you for having me. And thank you for being my sister. And, ah, uh, I will suspend I, ready little sister <laughs> until the end of the show. <laughs> well, I think, you know, to, to, to lead into our discussion about self-worth and children, you know, childhood is such a confusing experience regardless of where you are in birth order. But I think, Sandra, you and I are living proof that you can work through so much of the confusion and so much of the lack of understanding and the frustration frustration and the fights, and get to a point where you have an absolutely beautiful, beautiful, committed, and lovely, supportive relationship. We really do embody that. So um, I think we can go back in time to our childhood. We could share lots of war stories, but they don't really apply anymore because that's not who we are today. And I think, you know, if you give your kids one thing, it's something, Sandra, you and I learned on our own via our own life experience, and it's something that applies not only to kids but to everyone. And it cuts through the quick. If you cut through all of the scientific information on what kids need, what to give, what not to give, what's right, what's wrong, la, 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 let's go right to the core of what we all need, not just our kids, but we all need a profound sense of self-love, period. And that may sound cliche, that may sound corny, but the truth is every experience we have in life helps us understand how to be gentler, kinder, more compassionate with self, and consequently more compassionate with others. So really when you're working with your kids, if you really truly want them to have self-worth, if you want them to have confidence, if you don't want them to grow up being neurotic or shy or what have you, 
let them know first how much they're loved, but then we can help them get in touch with that sense of self-love themselves. Because frankly, there's, there's a lot you can do for them, but they have to find their way to this on their own. So we'll talk more about how to do that. And that's what this whole segment is about, how we get kids to that place where they really, really have such confidence, but not in a competitive way, not in an arrogant way, in a truly, truly balanced way. That's what, what does that mean? About today. What does that mean? Like, uh, like you know, when you think of confidence, like, you know, I look at there's all these different kinds of confidences. There's like the military police confidence, which comes in mm-hmm. and shows up like, like mm-hmm. you know, I am here, I have a gun, I'm pointing it right at your face, I have confidence, versus mm-hmm. the confidence that you walk into a room and you command the room and you can talk to anyone, um, or just the confidence to make a decision on a very personal and private level. So. How do we define confidence in our children? Well, and, you know, there's all different kinds of confidence. There's different, different, different things are needed in different situations. Um, but I think in all cases, if that part of you is coming from true compassion for self and others, then you can stand in various roles, whether it is, say, being military and going to war or being a judge in a court or being a teacher in a classroom, certainly there will always be times where you have to step into a very confident, authoritative role. If you're stepping into that place from anger or revenge or confusion or ignorance, the outcome will be very different. If you're stepping into your role as a judge or a doctor or a lawyer with a compassionate heart or a mother or a father or a sibling with a compassionate heart, how you deal with Handling the need to be confident in that moment for whatever reason will be very, very different than if you are coming from a state of imbalance. So how do we do that with kids? How do we get them to that place? The first thing we have to realize is you can't teach this overnight. They're developing. Their emotions are developing. Their emotions often are all over the place. Their ability to control themselves is all over the place. If you're talking about a four-year-old, what they're able to do is very different than an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old. So we kind of have to look at this with um, a lot of patience, understanding it's a long-term process. The second biggest thing we want to give our kids so that they get to that place of self-love is helping them to accept themselves exactly where they are. Now, that, that is a little tough when you're working with a four-year-old. So let's just say we're talking to a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old. All of us come into this life thinking we're supposed to know how to do everything, we're supposed to be good at it, and we're not supposed to make mistakes. That's never true throughout life, period. So the sooner we all come to the place of saying, okay, I'm great at this, I'm not so great at that, I accept both. That's fine. I don't need to be great at everything, but I'm also not bad at everything. I accept myself for all that I am. Then you can move on to your next challenge, your next adventure, your next experience without all this baggage about how you may have screwed up, how you don't think you're good enough, how you're not worthy enough, blah, blah, blah. Self-love, self-acceptance is the foundation that you parent from and the foundation from which you raise your kids. So how do, you, how do we get that message across to kids? I'll tell you exactly how we do it, unless you want to add something first because I'm 
not even giving you a chance to say anything. No, that's the best thing about having you on my show is I can just sit here and let you go. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually so busy listening to what you have to say. I was like, oh, like, oh boy, she's going to tell us what to do now. And then it's like, oh, don't put me on the stage. I'm just the okay. host. Then I won't. Okay, the first thing is when you're dealing with younger children, um, and I'm a parent of three, I know how hard this can be. But to stay in control as a parent, especially when you have a child who is yelling or hitting or crying, you can maybe take that for 60 seconds, but the, har- the longer it goes on, the harder it is for a parent to stay in control. So that's where you have to breathe and you breathe deep and you breathe hard so that you stay centered and you stay balanced and you don't lose it because you are the model for your child. So maybe that means that this child needs time out, needs a nap, needs food. Punishment is really not going to work with younger children. Consequences are different than punishment. Yes, give your child the choice. Okay, you've you've had your 10 minutes to cry and scream and wail. If you would like to sit down and have lunch or color in your coloring book, you can choose to, you know, get yourself under control, or you can choose to go to your room and continue one way or another. Giving little kids choices to be conscious of their own behavior and so that they're feeling in control is really, really helpful. Nobody likes to be controlled, but little, little kids with the tantrums and all, all of the emotions that they have that they are really not developmentally able to control, you give them appropriate choices for their age. So, like, you what also, are some appropriate age choices? Um, you know, like how little? Like you say little. Little to me is like a two-year-old. It could be okay. to some people little right. as a four-year-old. Okay, so you're, you're, you, you need to leave. You need to leave in 60 seconds, and your kid won't get in the car. What are you going to do? Well, what you'd say to your two-year-old is, here's your choice. You can get in on your own, or I'm going to put you in the car. Now, one is, is definitely more assertive, but most kids will say, oh, gosh, oh, I don't want her to put me in the car. I'm going to do this on my own. You have to know your own child. Not every single tip I give you is going to work across the gamut for all kids. But for that two-year-old, either you get in the car yourself or I will put you in. When they get up in the morning, give them maybe two choices for breakfast instead of just throwing something down on the table. Okay, you can have Cheerios or scrambled egg. What's going to be? As far as what they wear, it doesn't really matter. Your whole life, what you wear, as long as you're not naked. Let your kids decide what they're going to pick out and wear that day because that's that's helping them to develop who they are, to get in touch with who they are and what their identity is. So very, very, very simple. Okay, you get to dinner and it's World War III because they don't like what you're having. You know, I do understand most nights saying, this is what's for dinner, you need to eat it. I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not running a restaurant. But, you know, there are some nights where you're not going to want to handle that every single night. So what you say is okay. You can now have, if you're not going to do this, here's two cheese sticks and um, a clementine and a glass of milk. There's your dinner. So you pick your battles. So that's the two-year-old thing. Um, And then you learn to know who your child is and what's right for your child at at whatever age they're at. You know, and I think, you know, it's like we do the easy way or the hard way, which like you're really giving them a choice. And by giving the child a choice in a tough situation, unless they're in complete and utter meltdown, helps them, I think, regain that sense of control or sense of self where they're mm-hmm. like, you know, they may not like the two things, but at least they're not being forced and demanded because I think that 
powerlessness really, really sets them off over the edge. Well, my name is Sandra Beck. I am the host of Motherhood Talk Radio. Uh, I'm hosting today with Rick Swanson. Our guest is Susan Hayde. She can be found at lilliestruth.com. You can also Google her name. Her name is spelled H-A-I-D. You can check out our shows on iTunes under Motherhood Talk Radio. You can also check us out on uh, motherhoodtalkradio.com and toginet, T-O-G-E-N-E-T. G-I-N-E-T dot com. When we come back from the break, we'll talk about teaching our children to be non-judgmental. Mom, here's your show, Motherhood Talk Radio. Giving you interesting, inspiring, and influential information as you navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. This is Motherhood Talk Radio, and we'll be right back after these. Hey moms, get ready for Living the Dream Mom with Nina Fry. Thursday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Living the Dream Mom is about the true realities of motherhood, the beauty and the rewards of watching your children grow. All these moms have something in common. They put their kids first. It's not about the kids all the time and the diapers and the bottles and the breastfeeding. It's about showcasing the mother in motherhood, real moms in the real world. Do you get it? Now that's what the show's about. So every week, let's get together and we'll share these great stories with you guys. And I hope by the end of the show, you'll be saying, you know what? That is my life. Nina gets it. And I can't hardly wait to see what she brings me next week. Don't miss the next Living the Dream Mom. It's Real Moms in the Real World. Thursday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Living the Dream Mom with Nina Fry. On toginet.com. Holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues. For more information, check out the website, MotherhoodTalkRadio.com. Now, let's get back to the show with your hosts, Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Hey, mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here today with Rick Swanson. Christy Holly is at a funeral, so we're sending our wishes to her. We are live with Susan Hayde, the uh, author, the developer, and producer of a DVD series called Lily's Truth. Um, Susan, you never told us, really, I don't think I asked you, could you give us a quick rundown about Lily's Truth before we get into teaching how to teach our children how to be non-judgmental? Yes, absolutely, I'd love to, and I'll be quick, because this is a wonderful conversation to have with kids 
about having compassion and being non-judgmental. But Lily's Truth is a more developed piece of work that covers a lot of the things that we've talked about today and more. Um, but it, it's, it's a guidebook for parents and kids to use together to help a child get in touch with who they are and um, what their individual individuality is and how to navigate through life in a way that they are filled with passion, they are focused, that they are comfortable in their own skin, and they feel empowered to create the life that they want to live. So it's a step-by-step series um, that you go through with your child and really apply it to their life. I've written it in two versions. So there is Lily's Truth for Kids, which is for kids eight and under, and then there's Lily's Truth, which is for kids through teens up through adulthood, and it really just puts the child in touch with their authentic self, which is very, very, very important. Um, So that's what Lily's Truth is. It's available in book form, in download, and DVD. And that's at lilystruth.com, L-I-L-Y-S-T-R-U-T-H.com. You got it. You got it. So let's go on. Here's my question. Yes. Oh yeah. For go ahead. Go. you know, in teaching your children to be non-judgmental, you know, we want all our kids to grow up and be the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. When we teach them to be non-judgmental, how do we still preserve their right to have standards and to define what is appropriate for themselves? Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you think of non-judgmental, it's like, oh well, I guess that means everything goes. Right. Well, and this is covered in Lily's Truth. There is a distinct difference between being non-judgmental and compassionate and making a judgment. They're two different things. And the, the ta- child is taught to be accepting, but always, always to choose what's best for them. They are completely in control and empowered at all times to do what they need to do for themselves. You don't need to step in necessarily and control other people and change other people, but you always, always always have the right to make judgments for yourself, to create standards that are right for you. doesn't mean you lay them on the rest of the world. This is your own personally written guidebook for your child. And it's something that they create, that they have to go through the process of looking at their life, their little life, and all that's happening in it, and making decisions on their own, what works for them. Because that will take them into their future so that their knowledge is experiential. It's not just written knowledge or ideas that have been imposed by mom and dad. So I think it would be a fun exercise with your child as they're growing up, maybe to keep a journal or a diary very basic with some of their biggest experiences that they've had and what they learned from it so that 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 becomes part of their core experience. Um, and as parents, as their life coaches, we take them forward in dealing with their trauma so that they can have a functional outcome, a, a constructive outcome. Life is very hard for kids these days. There's a lot going on. It's very confusing. They have a lot to figure out. We can help them do it. We need, first and foremost, to be good listeners. We need to give our kids time to to talk and talk and talk and talk, 
even if what they're saying is contradictory, even if they're just venting, um, it's so easy as a parent to want to step in and tell them what to do. Well, we only know that because we've had however many years of experience, but we need just to listen, just to give them that moment where they can talk because that validates the child, that brings the child naturally into their sense of self and their sense of self-worth because they hear their own voices, they hear their own words. And again, as parents, we tell them, you're responsible just for you, just for your life. This is not about um, changing anyone else's life. Now, to, to, to bring the whole child to a, a place of non-judgment, um, we are talking about maybe being in the classroom and seeing behaviors or seeing things that other kids do. It's okay for the child to make judgments about that and say, I don't want to participate in this or I do want to participate in that. Again, you have the conversation with the child no drama, no condemning of other people, no saying they're bad, they're awful, they're this, they're that. Kids tend to want to go there sometimes in the classroom because they're still learning. They don't know yet how to accept differences. They don't know yet how to step away. They may see something they don't like. Sometimes they can step up and speak their truth and make a change. Sometimes that's not going to work. They need to step away. So, in talking, having these conversations, seeing your child for who they are, helping them navigate through their classroom situations or their situations with other parents or step-parents, talk, 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 listen, listen, listen. And well, I think it's really, the kid really... needs to talk, 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 and the parents need to listen, listen, listen. Because I yes. can see, like, when my kids go over to the father's and the girlfriend's house, you know, both of my kids come home ready to blow. And the older one sits down, and he'll either tell me everything that's bothering him or everything that went on, or he'll journal it. And then the little one, since he's really not old enough yet to be super articulate, and he tends to act out more in, like, punching and kicking, um, he will... We can sit him down with, and this was from our family therapist, um, he will sit down with crayons and he'll draw a picture and he'll draw a picture mm-hmm. and then he'll tell me the story that's in the picture. But it's almost mm-hmm. like taking an air out of the balloon, that they come home all puffed up and then you pull the air out of the balloon, they calm down, they can go on their day, they've processed it. And really, I don't have to say a lot as the parent mm-hmm. at that point. I'm really just the safe place to fall, the sounding board. And I see, like especially in the organized sports my kids are in when the kids try to come over to the parent to say something a lot of times the parents cut them off they shut them down and you really teach your kid at that point he has no voice doesn't mean you should let your kid run roughshod and call all the right. shots exactly some point, if you don't ever let them have a voice or an opinion, it's going to be very hard for them to define themselves and to feel that they have anything of value to say that is absolutely beautifully said, absolutely beautifully said, and that is so true. And in a family situation, everyone should have a voice. Everyone's opinion matters. We're teaching kids collaboration, not competition. We're teaching them collaboration. And so it is a very, very important thing to honor what is happening within your child. And often what happens when a child has had an opportunity to voice what is what they're experiencing in their life, then they can relax about it. They feel supported. They feel like what is going on with them matters. And then you can, you know, develop your game plan.
plan from there regarding what your child might need or what you can talk about or what you can bring to the table for your child so they can navigate whatever situation they're walking back into. Um, takes a lot of conscious awareness on the part of the parent and a lot of time with your child, being with your child. The old style of parenting was one of control, one of we are parents, we know what to do, you do what we say, and, and that's the end of it. This is a whole new evolution in parenting where we give children reasonable choices, where we honor and respect that they are whole people. They're not just part of a person, they're whole people. And that knowledge is there. We can facilitate that to come out. We don't need to repress them, control them, condemn them. We need to love them, accept them for who they are. Most importantly, when we accept them for who they are, they can accept themselves for who they are. And then you have right there germinated the seed of self-love. And but you've you also about- taken yourself out of the mix and put your kid as uh, individual, even though they're your child, they have their own thoughts, their own feelings. They're not just a replication or somebody trying to make you in their likeness. And that's absolutely. I see that a lot in the parenting where they want the kid to be just like them. And the, you know, I think of my my Max when he was three, and the father took him ice skating, wanted him to ice skate and love ice skating and hockey as much as the father did. And you know, Max laid on the ice and cried. Then he was like, "It's cold. I hate this." You know, and brought him back a few times he's never going to love that it's just not it's just not him so giving our kids the space especially now that because of the economy we're having smaller families you know when you have one or two kids the focus is on those kids all the time in a bigger family there's less focus on the kids to to be made in the likeness because there's just not enough time well, and, the, and it makes parenting much more exciting for two reasons. One is you get to discover who your child is rather than deciding who your child is. You get to discover who they are. The second thing is parenting is not about control. You are not trying to control this person. And those are two major shifts in parenting, and those are beautiful things. Ultimately, what you teach your child as soon as they're able to understand it, is they are responsible for the choices they make in the life they're going to live. They make the choices. Very empowering. That's what we want to do with our kids. That's what we want to do. So we are about a minute and a half to break. Can you quickly give us some immediate solutions for kids and and to, to ramp up that level of satisfaction in your family? Okay. Bottom line is... We have to teach our kids that it's okay to take time to take care of yourself first. We've gotten this reversed in our culture. We take care of everybody else, and then we take care of ourselves. We've all learned when you take care of yourself first, you have so much more to give. Let's start with our kids, teaching them to honor, love, and respect themselves, take care of themselves. Teaching kids to respect differences. Everyone has different thoughts, ideas, beliefs, etc. Respect the differences. Teach kids that if they cannot work things out in a compassionate way with other kids or other parents, that's when you have to teach kids that boundaries are a good thing. Teach your kids to learn to walk away or to go off in their own space if they need to. We end up getting in all kinds of intellectual battles with each other, trying to change each other. When you don't know what's going on, when there's no room for conversation, that's time to walk away or for a boundary. The most important thing you can teach your kids Teach them to be very aware of the friends in their life. Choose friends who love and accept them all the time for exactly who they are. 
Okay. We're so. going to go to break. Susan, we'd love to have you back uh, in future shows. As always, you've taught us a lot about parenting. I think part of that, teaching our kids to take care of yourself first, has to be taking care of ourselves. Right now, I need to take care of the show and bring us to commercial break. Check us Thank out on so iTunes. Much. You're welcome. Check us out on Toginet. We will be back after the break with some great information about head life. Mom, here's your show, Motherhood Talk Radio, giving you interesting, inspiring, and influential information as you navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. This is Motherhood Talk Radio, and we'll be right back after these. The Trick to Getting Published with your host, Florence Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Flo has seen it, done it, and now can share from her experiences as a newspaper staff reporter, feature writer, freelance editor, and college writing instructor. And now Flo has authored a system whereby her students enjoy a 90% success rate in attaining publication of their manuscripts for the first time. In just four years, she has over 800 of her own articles published in national magazines, newspapers, and anthologies. Author of several books, including the powerful memoir, The Sicilian Nobleman's Daughter, Florence has advised and edited professors, deans, PhDs, and hundreds of students' writings before submission. And now it's your turn. Join us Friday nights with your questions. Most of Flo's students say they've learned much and thoroughly enjoyed the journey. It's The Trick to Getting Published with your host, Flo Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Everybody, this is Pete Dix of Beatles and Beyond. You're listening to George Harrison jamming in the background here as I'm preparing the next show for you. So why don't you listen to Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix on this radio station. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues. For more information, check out the website, motherhoodtalkradio.com. Now, let's get back to the show with your hosts, Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Hey, mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Rick Swanson. Rick, what did you learn about parenting? Anything, Mr. Bad Dad? Mr. Bad Dad. See, you can't keep calling me that. <laughs> All right, Joe Good Dad. Yeah, um... No, I did. I mean, I, I've seen a lot, but I think, you know, it is all helpful information. I guess being being patient and getting some choices, I think, would be a good thing to try. But, I mean, I don't have that experience. It was pretty much, for me, in my experience as a child, was, this is the way it is. You will do it or you'll be punished, period. I mean, my mom had, having six kids, it's like, yeah, we're having pancakes or we're having oatmeal, and that's what we get to eat. <laughs> yeah. the choice, so. Well, I think, you know, too. That would yeah. be cool, but, you know. Right, but for some families, it's not practical. Yeah, she's like, it's military production line, you know. She, not that she, you know, didn't want to, but she didn't have the time to. Right. And you have to divide all your time between every kid and make them all feel special and equally important. And she did. She did yeah. a good job. Well, good. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to talk about head lice next, 
which I can't do that without laughing, even though I know my sister, who was recently on the show, would be like, okay, that's like judgmental or awful. But I think I see something on your head. No, I don't, but I have been itching the whole <laughs> show, and, you know, it's just one of those things that, um, you know, a lot of kids get, and it's not something to be made fun of, but I'll tell you, in the Army, they get head lice. I mean, you were Army, so, you know, you, but you didn't have much hair. No, and even in, like, the police stuff, they shave you your head completely bald. You know, it, it is, it's a practical thing as far as you don't have to, like, when you get in the shower, it dries quickly, you don't have to wash your hair, but it's a sanitary thing. Yeah. For bugs, for... Head lice. Yeah, all that jazz. Yeah, but kids, like, you know, kids, when they get it at school, like, when they do their homework... Just shave they, your kid's head. Well, Have okay. raised little skinhead. No, kids. we're not raising <laughs> little skinheads, but we're not even raising kids, like, bald kids. But what do you do if you have a daughter? Like, your sister Catherine, you're not going to shave her head. Why not? It's sanitary. Oh. Sorry, honey, we're doing this for your own good. No. You'll never get a date ever, but... You will never, yeah, that's, that's it, that's the real reason. Like you're surviving from leukemia or something. It's like, well, oh, that's hot, you know? You know, but the moms get it, too. Like, my sister with her kids, it went through the house, and then she got it, and my sister has long, beautiful hair. She's not going to shave her head and, and use the Rick Swanson method of lice removal. You, like, you don't want my haircut? No. No, it looks great on you. It looks my little pea head, not so much. Um, <laughs> so we are going to welcome Amy. Amy Ronan is the president of this really cool company called Fight of Your Life, L-I-C-E. Um, Amy, are you with us today? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, welcome, welcome. Thank, so uh, thank Rick you. has never had head lice. No, I don't know if I, I ever had. You know, I was listening to what you guys were saying, and Rick, it is actually... In the state of Florida now, it's considered child abuse to shave your kid's head against their will. Is it really? It is, yeah, because there were a few incidents of really extreme, you know, parents taking really extreme methods. And I guess, you know, I don't know the exact circumstances of that situation, but, yeah, it is actually against the law. Was that because they think damaging to the kid's self-esteem or cruel and unusual or, you know? Yeah, damaging to their self-esteem for sure. That's your dog, but, yeah. Right, like with middle-aged school girls especially. That's like, can you imagine? Baby won't shave the girl's head. It's fine. They take it back. Yeah, it's like the scarlet letter gone crazy, you know? Gone crazy, yeah. I could see that. Can you imagine? You know, you're 13 years old. You're marinating in hormones. You're already jacked. From trying yeah. to go from child to, and then your parent yeah. shaves your head. Yeah, I, I, could, I would support that. Yeah, Not shaving the head. I would this support is the only law. In Florida, so we're in California, so. No, shave <laughs> yeah. yes, you're okay. You're okay for now, and, and you know, it's well, a good way to keep know. boys away from your daughter anyway. So. Right, exactly. yeah. Um, you keep everyone away from your daughter. She'll yeah, hate you for yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, exactly. So, okay, I'm going to stop scratching my head, but you're going to have to give me the basics of head lice. And the treatments that you want everyone to know, because I think what you do is really cool, because so yeah. many kids have it. Yeah, they do. And and you know what? It, it seems like they're getting it more, and not not that they're getting it more and more nowadays, but it's so much harder to treat nowadays because over uh, the last 20 years, over-the-counter products have been overused by people. They've been, you know, used for people just to try and prevent head lice, which it doesn't work. And, you know, they've been overused, and so head lice have become resistant to them. And so, you know, it's really important because no product, no matter what you use, will kill all of the eggs. It's really important that you need to get all of the, the eggs or the nets out of the hair 
to make now, sure what is head lice? Like, I don't even know. Like, are they bugs? Are they? They're parasites. They are parasites. Yeah, they're they're insects. They have six legs. They don't jump. They don't fly. They have um, claws on the end of each of their <gasps> six legs. Yeah, and they use those claws. No, they don't scratch you with them. They use the claws to grab onto hairs. They move from hair to hair like little trapeze artists, and. They move really well on the head. They move very quickly. It's hard to spot them. They run away from the light, like if you part the hair. But they, are, but they're very slow to move off of the head. Like and the other cockroaches thing in your head? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty gross. But yeah, they're they're insects and they're parasites. They're feeding on your blood. They, and it's they, well, how do they get the blood from you? Wait a minute. So they lay eggs in your hair and then do they burrow into your scalp? No, no, they don't burrow into the skin at all. They live on the scalp and in your hair. Um, they they try to stay pretty close to the to the scalp because they need that heat and they need the moisture of your head. And um, what they do is is they they just they don't burrow into your head. They bite your head and they inject their saliva into your head and it has the substance in it that thins your blood and it makes it easy for them to feed. And like a mosquito does. Kind of like a mosquito and. Um, that is what that substance that they that they inject into your head is what makes you itch when you get head lice. Now the problem is not not everybody is allergic to that substance. You have an allergic reaction and that's why you itch. So not everybody itches when they have head lice. And then the other thing that you need to know is that it takes a few weeks for that substance to build up in your head enough that you will even itch. So most people when when they have head lice and when I see them have had it for a good month. Well, you can have head lice easily for a month, you know, six weeks, and not even know it. So um, it's it's really important. I, I always talk to my clients about being proactive when it comes to head lice. The best way to to deal with head lice is not to get it in the first place. And I talk to people about things that they can do to try to keep the lice off of their kids um, in the first place. And what I always tell people to do and what I do with my own children, I have three kids, uh, nine, seven, and five, and what I do with my own children is we comb their hair once a week with the, with the lice comb that I use. Um, it's, it's a really good lice comb. It's used by most professional treatment companies. And, what I, and it doesn't have to be a big ordeal. It's not like a whole lice treatment. All it is is after a shower when the hair is damp, I comb through their hair, and it takes maybe 10 minutes, um, less on my son because obviously he doesn't have as much hair. And what that does is when you do that, what that does is if you do happen to get a louse on your head, what it will do is it will make it so that if anything gets on your head, it's not going to have a chance to establish itself. Because, unfortunately, you don't find out you have lice usually until you're itching or, or until you hear about that it's in the community, and then you start checking your kids' heads. And that, unfortunately, is, is too late. You usually have a good full-blown infestation going on. So I teach people to be proactive and just do this comb once a week. I tell them it's it's just like you you know you cut your kids' fingernails once a week, comb their hair once a week. Just have it be a part of your routine, and and you know the kids get used to it and they might complain at first because um, they're just not used to sitting for that and, and doing that, but they do get used to it. And you just I simply remind mine like you do not want to get lice on your head. You don't want bugs. You don't want to have to sit for me for a couple of hours and go through your hair and they're usually more than happy to sit after that. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah, so that is I you know, that's really important, I think, to to try and be proactive and that doesn't take it doesn't take any chemicals, it doesn't take anything. It's a simple mechanical means of trying to keep the lice off of your head in the first place. And then you can use um 
you you can use um, shampoos and sprays and stuff that that are that have um, essential oils in them like uh, mint or tea tree or peppermint um, or lavender in them. And those will help because what they do is they, they do help, if you have had a recent infestation, they help to disguise that, that scent that, um, oh, I didn't go into that. that, that substance that the lice inject into your head to help them feed, also it sticks around on your head for a while and it is a signal to other head lice that you're a good meal. So when you've had a head lice infestation, you're, you have to be diligent for a while. I usually tell people about a month, you need to be pretty careful. Wait, so um, your head smells? Can you smell it? No, Do no, no. No, it? you can't smell it. This is something, I, I say smell because there's not, I don't know exactly, you know, how they sense it. Um, for us, it would be smelling, but no, you cannot smell it. It's, but it's a substance that's left behind and, and it's a signal to other lice. They can sense it, and other lice can sense it, and and it makes you more likely to become infested again because it's telling those lice that there's been lice there before. You're a good meal. You're a good host. And well, so, how do you get it? I mean, if you're like Rick was asking, you said how? Do, like, where do where do lice originate? Are they? I mean, do they? Well, exactly. Like, I was just curious. Like, you're saying how to treat it. Like, where mm-hmm. where do you contract them? Like, are there certain things that you should from be aware of? Like, avoid right from, from other people. From okay. other people, yeah. And over 90% of transmission they've, they've found is direct head-to-head contact. And that's why you see it so much in children because they're, okay. they're close to each other all the time. They're right. hugging each other. The boys are wrestling. I tell clients, and I do this with my own girls, um, to keep their hair back, tied back in a ponytail. Or I, I put them their hair in braids all the time. Um, to keep their hair back when they're going to school, when they're going to be, you know, um, around other kids going to birthday parties and stuff. And, and I tell clients, too, if, if they've been at a sleepover, go ahead and run the comb through their hair the next day. Just do that. You know, you might not And this is not a you. cleanliness thing, is it? Or like, Absolutely like, not. It has nothing to do with cleanliness. Um, it, it happens at all socioeconomic um, levels. It's, it's not at all about hygiene. Um, lice do find it easier to, to move through clean hair, hair but... That's that's not um, right. Don't keep your hair dirty. Yeah, yeah. Don't keep your hair dirty. It's not going to prevent it. Keeping your hair dirty isn't going to stop it. If they get on your head, they have such a strong drive to feed, and they feed every four to six hours. They have such a strong drive to feed that they're going to find a way to feed if they're on your head. So what about is shorter hair? Like you know, with my kids, you know, I sometimes have longer hair in the summer just because of the sun protection. You know, but is you know. If you have a brush cut or if you even have a closer to a brush cut, like your shave your head, mm-hmm. would the lice still be there? Uh, like for a buzz cut, you mean? Like yeah. a very short buzz cut? They can be. I've, I've, treated, I've treated little boys who have been treated with um, like RID or NYX, you know, one of the over-counter, mm-hmm. over-the-counter pesticide products. And, and then a few days later I've checked them and I found little babies that have just hatched on wow. their head. Yeah, and they like you know gotten it from somebody else. Somebody else in the family usually brings it in, and then you're even closer with people in the family, so you pass it on to your siblings. Well, yeah, Amy, I hate to cut you off, but I want to give okay. your website before we go uh, close sure. the show. It's fightofyourlice, L-I-C-E dot com. Uh, this is Amy Ronan. She's the president. We're going to have to have you back, too, because you've got all sorts of information to share with us. My name is Sandra Beck. I want to thank my co-host, Rick Swanson, today. I'd also like to thank my sister and the light of my life, Susan Hayde, who was our guest today, and Amy Ronan, the president of Fight of Your Life. We will be back next week with another great show.
for being a part of Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Grontoginet.com. Join us every Tuesday as we get